You're listening to the WGU Alumni Podcast, a podcast all about noteworthy night owls. Join us each episode as we highlight WGU alumni and share ways to help you stay engaged. Here now is the WGU Alumni Podcast. Welcome to Episode 6 of the WGU Alumni Podcast. It's Sarah Van Winkle back with Jeff Burton. We're excited to be with you guys today. Hey, everybody. Hi, Sarah. Hi. So we're hoping we can get through this recording without having to evacuate the building. We are having expound. (laughs) We are having a lot of construction going on on the main floor of one of our buildings here, and um, the construction folks keep setting off the fire alarms, and folks are having to evacuate. And we're on the eighth floor of this building, so every time that happens, we have to go down the stairs because obviously the elevators aren't working. And it's a lot of folks to get down eight flights of stairs. And usually by the time we get downstairs, they're the all clear and we're coming back upstairs. So, Sarah, I'm with you. Um, it is kind of entertaining, though, I find, to walk down eight flights of stairs. We sit by our friends on the live chat team that interact with our potential students. Yes, we do. Uh, anyway, it's there's some engaging conversations, great conspiracy theories that we talk about as we walk down eight flights of stairs. Yes, So, yeah, I hope that we can get through this podcast, uh, episode six, which promises to be a good one. And what I'm excited about is the weather is actually warming up. So when the alarms were going off, you know, a month or so ago, it was a little bit annoying because there was snow outside and it was cold. But are you excited for springtime? I am excited for springtime. For those of you who don't know, we are based in the Salt Lake City office and at the headquarters of WGU. And it's obviously beautiful here. We have mountain views out of our office windows, which are stunning. But yes, it's been cold, and I'm so ready for the spring and then on to summer. Don't you think springtime is the best time of the year? Partly because you're just, it's like, I feel like the weather teases us, right? It's going to warm up to 60 degrees, and it's like... No, I disagree. I think the fall is the best no. time of the year. Fall and spring, I agree. Okay, I can go with fall and spring. They're both great, but I love the fall. Spring and fall or fall and spring? Spring and fall. you got to go chronologically. Yeah, but what's your favorite? Well, fall. Well, then go fall and spring. Fall That's and what spring. I'm saying. Either way, can't go wrong. March Madness is fun. Yes. But then uh, you have cookouts and bonfires uh, and s'mores and that kind of stuff in the fall. And, of course, football. Football. Which football. your eyes are glazing over, so no. maybe we should talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> How about we actually jump into the podcast? Yes. We How have Chris that? and Gina Abbey today, right? Two of my favorites. Yes, they're great. Chris and Gina are awesome. Um they are in the Denver area. They're both doing amazing things. Husband-wife team that uh, both graduated from the university. And super excited to get into the great work that they're doing. Um, they helped us out with a video project they that did. you wanted to mention earlier in the year. Yes, it was something we wanted to do new with our alumni this year is to actually use them in our videos to announce when our commencements were going to be in 2020. And I think we will continue doing something along these lines using our alumni to help us get the message out. I think it's great to have them come back and shoot these fun videos for us or even just obviously being on the podcast too. But anything we can do to engage them, I love it. So Sarah, I have a question Mm -hmm. regarding commencement locations. So asking for a friend here, what is the chances that we take the show on the road and we go out to the islands, to Hawaii, for a commencement? What do you say? I feel like the phone lines are going to blow up after that. Because Come on, audience. What do you say? Let's go to Hawaii. We would love to go to Hawaii. And I think our uh, regional vice president over the regions, <laughs> Tanya Drake, is going to love that as well. Absolutely. She would love to proceed over that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, let's see what we can do. All right. Not trying to get anybody's hopes up, but I think that would be kind of fun. It would be fantastic. Cool. But whether we go to Hawaii or whether we go across the seven regions that we have here at WGU across the country, 
One thing we can promise you is a fantastic time, a great event. On the Friday nights, we have a great alumni celebration. Then Saturday, it's why we do what we do, and that's to celebrate our grads. Very emotional, very fun event. And uh, again, whether it's in a great warm location, we've got the waves and the ukuleles is what that is. Did you get that? For those that are... You can't, can't see, see the visual of you playing the ukulele, which is probably a good thing. We gave my daughter a ukulele for Christmas this year. Is that something she asked for? She did. Okay. Yeah, she wanted a ukulele. Okay. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to learn right, al- right along with her. And sadly... No. Yeah, ukulele is just, you know, there's only four strings, but it's tougher than it looks. So do you play any other instrument? Um, I play, thanks to YouTube, a guitar. Okay, so if you play a guitar... Did you think it would be super easy just to move on to yes. the ukulele? Yeah, but it's not. What's the one song that everybody can play on the ukulele? Uh, Somewhere over the rainbow. So thank you. Somewhere over the rainbow. That was a shot in the dark. <laughs> I'm glad it was what you were thinking. Um, so you can't play that. No. Can you play it on the guitar? No. Really, what I can play on the guitar? Tom Petty is a great musician, which we've talked about on the Rest show before. Peace. Um, he uses like two or three chords. And so thanks to the cheats, the hacks on YouTube, I'm able to kind of strum along. Uh, or country. I'm a bit of a country fan, as you know. Yes, so, I'm quite you know, aware. little Joe Diffie, little Mark Chestnut. All right. Our producer, Bethany, is telling us, move it along. So, Bethany, yeah, I got that. Okay, we'll do that. Episode six. Yes. The Abbeys, Chris and Gina. Yes. Should we get started? Let's do it. All righty. I am honored to introduce an amazing couple who are both alumni of WGU. Gina Abbey earned her bachelor's degree in marketing management in 2014. She has a background in sales and development and most recently joined the Bridge of Hope Greater Denver, which helps single moms and their kids who are facing homelessness in the Denver area. She has been instrumental in raising funds and working with donors and sponsors. And Chris Abbey... Her husband is a two-time WGU graduate, first earning a bachelor's degree in IT network design and management back in 2013, and then later a master's degree in information security and assurance. He has held various leadership positions in cybersecurity and is currently serving as the Senior Customer Service Success Manager at Red Canary, which is an ally security in detection and response for customers. Most importantly, Gina and Chris are the parents of two little girls, and they have been married for 15 years. Gina is passionate about fitness and enjoys working out, and Chris does not. Chris enjoys playing video games and eating sugary cereal with the kids. They are actively involved with customer service, and I am excited to introduce Gina and Chris. A warm welcome to both of you. Thank you for joining us here today. Hi. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having us. I wanted to ask you, because I understand that you both served in the United States Air Force. Is that correct? It is. Yes, yes, yes. And is that where you met? Yep, that's where we met. Yep. I was getting cash out of an ATM machine at, by uh, one of the clubs on base, and Chris came up to me and wanted to hang out. I think I blew him off. Yep, first time blew me off. Yes, <laughs> and then uh, about a week later, I was at the uh, little shop that we have on base, super sick and in sweatpants, and he still wanted to talk to me. So That's when I made my move. <laughs> when I was weak <laughs> and, and doped up on medicine, probably. <laughs> That's awesome. How many years ago was that? Uh, gosh, that was 2003, so 17 years ago. Wow. Doing mental math. Ah, and the rest was history. So they say. 
So you are both proud graduates of WGU, and I really wanted to have you on to share a little bit about what you've been up to since you've graduated. I know that you're both very active in the community and have done some amazing things, so I'd like to hear a little bit about that today. Gina, do you mind if we start with you? Yeah, that sounds great. So I work with uh, Bridge of Hope Greater Denver, and um, what we do is we work with single moms and their kids who are facing homelessness in the Denver area. Um, we're actually part of a national network, so there are 19 um, and a couple more Bridge of Hopes throughout the U.S. that are developed or that are already established, and then a few more that are being developed um, as we speak. And basically, what we do is we work with them to get them into long-term housing that is safe. Um, and then we work with them. They work with a case manager who helps them with budgeting and career assistance. Um, and then the other piece of it is that they partner with a team of volunteers from the Christian faith community who help them to kind of walk alongside them in life and kind of become their community. Um, so many times they come from a situation of poverty or they just don't have support depending on where they came from, how they ended up in the situation. And so these volunteers just help to become that community and that family that so many times they don't have. And kind of all of this is with the goal that helps them to become self-sustaining so that they are never in the situation again. That is fantastic. I imagine it is such a rewarding role that you play. It's it's very rewarding. And, you know, the thing about it that I love is that um, I'm not really doing it for myself. It's It's very humbling to be around incredibly generous donors and supporters and volunteers and just to know that you're doing this for these women and these families who are just giving everything to really support their kids. That's what the moms really are doing this for is because they, they want their kids to have a good life. And so it is, it is really humbling and really honoring to uh, be a part of it. And Gina, I assume that you and your organization keep in touch with those that you have helped. We do. Um, so Bridge of Hope here in Denver, we're about five years old. And to be completely honest, I've only been on for about seven months, so <laughs> I don't actually get a whole lot of interaction. Um, but what's really interesting is a lot of the moms throughout um, the national program will come back, and some of them may serve on the board. One of them actually was at one of our conferences that we had, and so they seem to want to you know, be around it and want to help out and want to contribute as well. Oh, that's outstanding. Hey, Jeff, the important thing, too, with um, with their program, it's not like a one-and-done um, donors come through and, and donate. They actually work with the, the families live and kind of operate within the communities that they um, Gene is helping develop as well. So it's a, it's a longer program. How long does the program usually last for them? Yeah, it's about an 18- to 24-month program. So um, I think what's great is that we have – here in Denver are really great shelters that really help with that kind of survival. I kind of say that we're kind of the next step. Once they're ready to move out of survival mode, we really help to get them to a place where they can start thinking about goals, you know, building a savings and how they're going to be able to support their kids as opposed to simply, where are we going to sleep tonight? Are we going to have enough for food? It really changes the whole focus. Right. That's excellent. I wanted to ask about a recent gala that you guys put on. I understand that it was very inspiring and a rather moving event. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I would love to. So we have our, it was our third annual Denim and Diamonds Gala. And um, this was my first experience in any kind of event, event planning. And I kind of got thrown into it. So it was great because I was able to really experience everything from setting up and picking colors for the tablecloths. But um, what was great is just seeing the community. I think that that's one of the things about the donors and the volunteers with Bridge of Hope is 
they just love, they love what, what they're supporting and they love being able to help these moms. And we had this great thing at the end of the gala called the paddle race. And basically our auctioneer said, every time you raise your paddle, it's a $50 donation. And the last person to raise their paddle gets a 50, or no, it was a dinner for seven to uh, Shanahan's. It's a great steak place here. Shout out to Shanahan's there. <laughs> it went on for probably 15 or 20 minutes. It was insane. And people were jumping out of their seats and cheering. And there was one guy that he kept raising his paddle and kept raising his paddle. And so people were cheering for him and wanted him to win. And kind of the crescendo of the evening, um, I got the privilege of walking over to him and thanking him to give him the gift card. And he just whispered in my ear, he said, hey, I want that mom. We had one of our single moms who spoke. He said, I want that. I want the gift card to go to her. And so that was, and I got to announce it and just, you know, he didn't want it announced, but of course I had to share it. And so it was just really inspiring to see this probably $700 gift certificate to the steakhouse going to this single mom who works so, so hard and has these two little girls and um, just to be able to bless her with that. And then for the whole community to be able to see that was really spectacular and really beautiful to be a part of. Very, very cool. Fantastic work, Gina. Thank you. And Chris, I wanted to shift over to you for a moment. Okay. You have a really strong cybersecurity background, as I mentioned. Tell me a little bit about the work that you do. Yeah, so uh, I just been over the past couple of years, it's been bouncing around um, serving in the public sector. When I was pursuing my degree, uh, I was a reservist in the U.S. Air Force. Just really kind of digging into uh, testing and, and evaluation for the U.S. Air Force Reserves component there. During that time, I got an opportunity to work for Douglas County School Districts, which was a is a great school district here in Colorado. It's the third largest here in Colorado, and serving as their IT security leader. And it, it was it was an awesome experience, just because you get to deal with such a great customer. Um, so you have students, parents, communities, stuff like that, all kind of rallying around these future leaders. You know their growth and the maturity in in the cybersecurity practice and and protecting student data. Protecting the environment was, was just a really great experience. Uh, moving on from there, I had an opportunity to serve a couple other organizations, financial, uh, software, and, and ended up landing in a really great company with a really great culture, Red Canary, serving as their customer success manager. So that's been a great experience in terms of helping customers mature their program, uh, implement our tools and, and solutions, and then and also kind of work with them as an ally. How long have you known that you wanted to be in the cybersecurity industry? I think I think like many people in the cybersecurity industry, I think we we don't necessarily decide. Uh, I think at one point in time, most of us in IT um, get handed the cybersecurity role, and so that kind of happened with me in the military um, when I was serving active duty in the United States Air Force as well. I got the opportunity to handle classified message incidents. That's uh, any sort of classified message spillage into like unclassified networks. That was a lot of running around, wiping printers and, and taking monitors, um, even though you know, some secured information wouldn't, wouldn't go on the monitors. We just, we stole their monitors, I guess. And from that point on, just knowing the, the frantic, hectic nature of cybersecurity, the constant chase of education and, and learning more, I mean, different attacks, techniques, there's different actors out there now, geopolitical climates that are you know, kind of impacting that cybersecurity industry. So it's, it's just a really great industry to get into. So I, I finally learned that I really enjoyed cybersecurity. It was probably about 10 years ago when serving in the public sector, kind of supporting their vulnerability management type stuff. Just, I mean, it just saw the gap, noticed that there, no one else was rushing to go pick it up. And so it, it, it definitely has served me well to kind of learn that skill set. And now, I mean, if you look everywhere, security, students are wanting to get into cybersecurity. Everyone's jumping careers, 
to get into cybersecurity. So I, I definitely think I made a correct choice. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, and I would say, Chris, that this is a field that is evolving so rapidly. Uh, do you mind telling us a little bit about what you've seen? It's always strange because um, cybersecurity has always remained the same. If you really talk to some long of the tooth practitioners, um, you know, look on Twitter, look on, you know, Reddit and all those other social media platforms and stuff like that, where you see cybersecurity people engage in the public, it still comes down to, you know, just processes and people, just making sure people are aware of the, the threats that are out there, making sure people are using the right tools, you know, not opening emails, but you, you see the technology side of it and it's gone rampant in terms of different things we're protecting. 5G is a, a thing now that, you know, practitioners and, and IT leaders are looking at in terms of solving all the world's issues. We see the the prolification of, you know, always connected systems, smart homes, those types of things popping up. And so that's that's kind of been the the interesting area. I would say probably the, the area that I see growing the most, it's, it's not as uh, exciting uh, is that area of privacy. And so that's the one thing that we've been looking at here in Colorado and stuff like that is increasing the awareness of, privacy. So as you start engaging in new systems, new solutions, new social media, all these free services that are out there, I mean, a lot of them subside on, you know, user data. It's been really interesting to see that start to pick up as people become more aware of who's using their data as you hear more and more about Google, Facebook, all these companies using and aggregating that data and for, you know, selling stuff, selling off that data for analytics, those types of things. I think that's been a, a wild area that's growing in, you know, a tangential cybersecurity type arena. I wanted to ask you if if you could share something you are most proud about in the work that you do with cybersecurity. I think a lot of it is just um, if you look, like even on social media, in terms of here in Colorado, if anyone's from Colorado and listening to this, um, we have a really great cybersecurity scene. I think the thing I'm proudest of is even throughout all the positions that I've been able to serve in and stuff like that. Um, I really enjoy the community here and being a part of um, our local information system security association, which is ISSA. It's a national organization that anyone can join. ISACA is a, uh, a nice, strong uh, community here as well in Denver. So I think a lot of it is just being able to you know, help various organizations, various groups, fellow students uh, from WG as well, you know, improve their programs and just have a community of folks that they can bounce ideas off of and support each other. That's the one thing I'm proud of. Oh, that is excellent. I wanted to ask you about when you were earning your degree at WGU, both of you were working full-time. Is that right? Yeah. Right. And you had your two daughters as well. Is that correct? Well, we had one, and then I had one. Well, we both, I guess, had one on the way when I was finishing up my degree. Okay. So so tell me about how you were able to manage work, family, community, and the thought of going back to school as well. And I think, I think the big thing for us was, uh, I mean, knowing that how important it was for both of us to pursue those degree programs and stuff like that. So um, during the time when I was doing my my bachelor's and, and finishing my master's, I was working full time and, and working as a reservist as well. So kind of balancing, you know, military training, you know, professional training that I needed for my full time work, you know, having one one baby and, and one on the way. Gina's a huge supporter in terms of making sure that, you know, I got the time that I needed to focus on my studies, the tests uh, and testing that those evenings and stuff like that, really having a supportive household. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think that having that time, especially if you have little kids running around, if you have a spouse or a partner, you have to be able to have that support. And I think that that was one thing that made it easier. Um, I think just for me, the the flexibility and the freedom of WGU and just the way the entire program is set up was really crucial. Um, Chris and I had both attended other schools and done online programs. 
And I found that they were a little bit more constrictive as far as you had to log on during certain periods of time. And that made it tough. That made it difficult to, when you have kids and, you know, kids are not predictable. My pregnancies are not predictable. And so it just was really nice to be able to hop on, even if it was 15 or 20 minutes at a time, to be able to do that was really critical, I think, in in the success for me in finishing my program. I wanted to ask you too, uh, how have your degrees helped you in your professional careers? Well, when I started, when I was earning my degree and finishing it up, I had a small business um, with a direct sales company and I was in a leadership position. And so a lot of marketing, a lot of um, self-discipline, I think, that you have to have when you're running your own business. The great thing was those two really um, complemented each other because I was able to learn a little bit more and kind of practice the self-discipline a little bit more with the WGU program. And now I didn't have really a lot of marketing experience um, with that business, whereas now I'm doing a lot more on the marketing side. And so just having the knowledge um, in that program of learning about demographics and target market and those basic marketing skills really serve me now in the nonprofit sector um, with the marketing and development piece of it. For the the IT college and stuff like that, uh, I think the the one differentiator that I I think WGU still holds today is a lot of the programs just feel current going through some like as gina mentioned traditional programs they check in check out with the forums making sure that i post you know the article that i read and my thoughts on it and waiting for uh, folks to post theirs with incredibly um kind of off-putting a little bit one thing with the wgu it college degree programs as well is the certifications um, i knew walking into wgu i would get some quality ed- education great mentorship as i continue through the program and then on top of it I'm leaving a quarter semester with a certification that I could put on LinkedIn. I could put on my resume. I could go out tomorrow and say, hey, now I am an MCSA or I have my CEH or my CSENT and stuff like that. And I can go to these these employers and say, hey, I've got the skills you need. Uh, hire me. I think going through both programs is just an incredible door openers in terms of my career in IT. That's great. Uh, what does the future hold? Where do you guys see your careers and, and family heading in the near future? Well, I will say I've fallen in love with nonprofits, and um, I hope that I will stay at Bridge of Hope and be involved with Bridge of Hope for my lifetime. I I just think it's such an incredible mission. I love the idea that there's that management piece of my degree, and so I love the idea of taking what I know and taking what I've learned and being able to help other nonprofits to grow and to market themselves. Um, So that would be a dream of mine is to continue the work I'm doing with Bridge of Hope and be able to now pour that into other people and fundraisers and marketing for nonprofits and ministries as well. I think for mine, uh, that's that's the question I'm always struggling with too, is because uh, there's so many things. I mean, I think with my degree and with IT security and and cybersecurity as as a whole, there's so many avenues and aspects to go into. And so I think uh, like a kid in the candy store, I, I constantly ping back and forth about, you know, I can be a, an instant handler or I can be a, a, a pen tester or I can be a, a management, a manager of a cybersecurity practice. Uh, um, and, but I think we've both been bitten by the, the community bug, the, the nonprofit bug, which is why, you know, having an alumni group that we can participate in has been great um, doing some stuff here locally. So 2020, we have, you know, Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference, which is a large conference here for the Rocky Mountain region. So anyone up from Wyoming down to Texas, I mean, we have attendees from everywhere. Um, Being able to help um, our local government uh, with uh, our Homeland Security Advisory Council here 
uh, has been a great volunteer opportunity. So I definitely see 2020 as a year of volunteering and giving back various ways and stuff like that. And I, and I do appreciate the experience and at least the, the training and the door opening opportunities that WGU has given us. And for the family, hopefully lots of traveling. Yes. Getaways. <laughs> Where are you planning to travel in the coming year? Do you have any bucket list items? Well, we are in the process currently of planning, I think I would call it a bucket list trip. Would you? I don't know. To Ireland for, we've got our 15 year anniversary coming up. And so this year we would love to go to Ireland and that's what we're currently working on. But I don't know. I'm pretty much anywhere with a beach is good for me and the kids. Yeah. Some, preferably some sort of childcare. <laughs> um, sometimes it's, it's nice to be able to break away and, and let the kids do their thing and stuff like that and let us, the adults do their thing. I think we'd like to see Europe, maybe some cruises in there, but myself and the other girls, we come alive on a beach. So that anywhere with a beach makes me happy. <laughs> Excellent. Chris and Gina, I just have to say that this has been inspiring. Both of you are active in cybersecurity and nonprofit. You're making a difference and you are making us proud here at WGU. Kudos to both of you. Thanks for listening to the WGU Alumni Podcast. To learn more about WGU Alumni and Commencement, visit wgu.edu slash alumni. To learn more about anything you heard on the podcast today, visit wgu.edu slash podcast. This podcast was produced by the WGU Alumni Relations Department. Special thanks to producer Bethany Tucker from the WGU Production Studio. And thank you to our alumni network, now more than 170,000 strong.